Mike check. Mike check. Mike check. One two one two. We back for another episode. Let's go. It's a taste to consider podcast. Yes, we back for another episode. We won't stop. I thought I told you Let's that go. we won't stop. Uh-uh, uh-uh. I thought I told you that we won't stop. I thought I told you that we won't stop. Uh-huh. I thought I told you that we won't stop. I thought I told you that we won't stop. Jesus, the notorious just. Please us with your lyrical thesis. We just chillin', milk em, top billin', silkin', pure linen. Me and little seeds, Malibu seed, breeze, dawn peas, palm trees, cats named Pablo, and milked out Diablos. The williest, bitches be the silliest. The more I smoke, the smaller the filly gets. Room 112, where the players dwell, and stash more cash than Burp Adele. Inhale, make you feel good like Tony, Tony, Tony. Pick up in your middle like Moni. Yeah. She don't know me, but she's setting up to blow me. Yeah. Try to stab. Sliding off with a homie. Yeah. Escada Dangada. Player. Stay sick and sit up. Let's go. I do it to you cats for a large amount And when the beef come, you know where to be found Why be around till the winner is announced Then you go, girl, with thousands in your palm Why you can't let bygones be bygones Say you stick and sit up
Consider podcast. Yes. Taste to consider podcast. We are back for another episode. Yes, indeed. Back for another episode. Shout out to all the listeners Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Amazon. Shout out to all the YouTubers. Appreciate all the watchers, the viewers, the listeners, sharers, downloaders, likes, follows, all that good stuff. I appreciate you. It doesn't go unnoticed. So we back for another episode. Yes. For all the YouTubers, you see it's still light outside behind me. So the time has gone for it. <laughs> so, yes, we approaching spring. Approaching spring, the official, the official new year, the official new year. Yes, in a couple of days, springtime is near. That warm weather is about to be upon us. Yes, I know everybody is so so excited. (laughs) Oh, man. Back for another episode. Shout out to all the people who listened to the last episode, Mirror Outrage. This episode will be Mirror Outrage Part 2. Part 2. This is kind of an unexpected uh, episode as far as topic, you know, topic content-wise because, um, you know, a lot of this stuff just falls into my lap. So, and if you're on social media, you know some new shit every day. Every day. Every day. So, this definitely wasn't the plan of this episode but hey i'll just go with the flow baby just go with the flow wife you hear that henry we're busting up their marriage and it's all your fault all my fault you hear that walter all i'm trying to do is get the same things for my wife that your wife has and she's complaining i got news for you henry when your wife has everything my wife has she'll still complain (laughs) all women I, i tell you i don't understand them but especially you white women. You sit up here in your nice world and instead of enjoying the things you got, you worrying yourself sick about some women's rights. Well, let me tell you, baby, I'm Ebony. In the world I grew up in, a black man couldn't even get a job. So the woman went out and worked and supported the family. And quiet as it's kept, none of us never wanted it that way. And some of us don't have to have it that way, like me. Now I got a J-O-B and a good one. And if I have to work two jobs, then I will, because I am no longer going to be the husband of a black maid that was from an episode of the TV show back in 1973. The TV show was Maud. <laughs> and if you recognize the voices, that was Florida Evans. But you heard something different when she spoke. She didn't say she didn't say James. She said Henry. So on Maud before Good Times came out um florida evans was the uh maid <laughs> but james evans was henry evans on maud so that's why she said henry he was henry evans on maud but when good times came out he was james evans 
But, you know, I've been talking about all this stuff lately about uh shit I've been talking about it for some for a while, for a few episodes. Shoot, I don't even know how many episodes, years, months, whatever, but talking about the feminism stuff and you know how the black community has been caught up into the white feminist movement and uh particularly you know how the black women have has gotten caught up into the white feminist movement and how you know black men have had to suffer through it and had to deal with a lot of you know these ideologies and these ways of you know the ways of thinking of white women and all that other stuff so i i came across this clip during the week and i was like damn this this just it's 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 deep because this was in 1973 so you know what i'm saying it's a lot of people out here particularly i ain't gonna say a lot of people well yeah it's a lot of people black men and women on a side that don't believe in this feminist movement causing a divide in the black community. And this is something that's been around forever. This ain't nothing new, but it's just how people actually want to be open to it or aware of it. You know, a lot of people, they project and they got their trauma and the things that they've gone through that won't allow them to see past that stuff in order to see the truth. And the black community is suffering because of the divide that we have between the black men and black women. And we don't really understand, realize or see that there's been a plan or a system in place that is causing this. We get so caught up into our emotions, you know, um, we don't know how to control our emotions, regulate our emotions to the point that we can't see past it and and i not and it's like just using myself for an example i've been so caught up into my emotions my anger and my frustrations and stuff like that that i didn't that i couldn't see the truth or i couldn't see you know um past anything other than that anger that hurt that pain or whatever but as the time went past and I was able to sit back and collect myself, I saw, damn, you know what I'm saying? I was caught up. I was caught up into those emotions. And sometimes even when you're in that moment and you're aware that you're caught up in in those emotions, it's hard to let them go because you're just in that fight mode, you know, talking about that fight or flight mode. You're in that fight mode that you don't want to let it go. Because you're just so caught up into your ego that you just feel like, I got to win. I got to win. Or what I'm feeling is right. Or what I'm seeing is right. Or what I've been told is right. You know? And we don't know how to ground ourselves, regulate our emotions, control our emotions, and actually just step outside and see that, you know, maybe what I'm feeling right now isn't real. It isn't real. Or maybe there's some layers to it. Or maybe there's some context to it. Or maybe I have to be a little empathetic toward 
the other person who maybe caused who I feel caused this these emotions that maybe they they got something going on or there's a different viewpoint there's a different narrative there's a different perspective you know but yeah I thought that was a good clip I'm going to save this one because I'm sure that I might have to use it later on on another episode because this conversation, this topic, the the content that's coming out, excuse me, burp one, two, and three from a lot of people on social media in the black community, it doesn't seem like it's going to go anywhere. And as much as it frustrates me, to see this going on, I feel like I got to push through and keep talking or speaking of the things that, you know, I believe in or the, the experiences that I have and stuff like that because we just going to continue to stay caught up into this. And if People just continue to just, you know what I'm saying, not push different narratives other than what we're used to, then there's no way that we coming up out this hole. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying, uh, that's, that's what I always say about the podcast. A taste to consider podcast is about introducing new viewpoints, new perceptions, new perspectives, you know, a new taste to conversations so people can be open to having a different conversation. And I know everybody is not going to be open to a different conversation or be open to a different taste, you know, a different viewpoint. But you know what I'm saying? I'm going to keep pushing. <laughs> oh, man, let me see. Like I said, this this episode, I definitely didn't plan on talking about all of this stuff, but, you know, it's a lot of stuff that I don't want to talk about, but I feel as though that, you know what I'm saying, just just go ahead and, and get it over with. You know what I'm saying? I struggle a lot with um, not being so caught up into the stereotypes or the assumptions of people, particularly men, black men, that have podcasts of speaking on certain topics. And you'll understand why I say this when I move on to the next topic. So, next topic is about the Oscars. So, the Oscars recently happened. But before I get into the main topic of what I want to talk about with the Oscars, I'm just going to mention this. We can't be shocked that Angela Bassett didn't win that supporting actress <laughs> award. We can't be surprised. Like, it's funny because last night I tried to watch the movie that Jamie Lee Curtis was in that she won the award for over Angela Bassett. And I couldn't get into it. And I've heard so many people talk about how good this movie was. And I just couldn't do it. I said to myself that I was going to try again. I was going to try again to watch it and just and and not stop it like I did last night and just 
watch it all the way through and just and just see. So I plan to do that this weekend. Um, I might do it after I finish recording or I might just wait till tomorrow, Sunday. But what's also interesting is I didn't even see Black Panther 2. Because y'all y'all know I've talked about it before. Y'all know how I feel about Black Panther 2. I didn't want to watch it because of uh, how they marketed the movie and how they blatantly push um, the character T'Challa, which Chadwick Boseman played, just completely out of the story. The whole, based off of, of Chadwick Boseman's death. Now, and I feel like they... they they played their whole marketing campaign off of his death. And I didn't like that. So I haven't seen Black Panther 2 at all. But I am confident enough to say that Angela Bassett did great enough to win that award over Jamie Lee Curtis. All based off of that little bit that I've saw off of the movie that Jamie Lee Curtis was on. I Look, I don't even remember the name of it. Is everything, everywhere, all at once or something. I think that's the name of it. But, yeah. But I'm confident enough to say, but just based off of over the years of seeing movies that Angela Bassett is in versus movies that Jamie Lee Curtis has been in, that Angela Bassett should have won that over Jamie Lee Curtis. But, like I said, I, you know, we shouldn't be surprised, and I digress with the whole topic of Angela Bassett being snubbed of the award. We shouldn't be surprised. But moving along to the main topic of the Oscars, and which has caused a lot of stir on uh, social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, I've seen it all on, on all three platforms. And it's the Sierra outfit. <laughs> now, like I previously stated before I start getting to the Oscars topic, this is just some shit I just don't want to talk about. Like, I don't even want to give it, like, all of my energy. But I'm here now, right? I got to show it's certain things that has to be talked about. So I'm going to give my my opinion, my thoughts on the whole situation. But let me take a sip first. I took a little bit more of a sip. So we had Sierra going to this um, event, Oscar event. And before, you know... Anybody who's listening right now says it was a theme party. I understand it was a theme party. And I don't care about none of the other people that was at that party. Particularly what I saw on social media, people were pointing out all of all of the other white women at the party who was dressed similar to Sierra. Basically, butt naked, half butt naked, like. The party thing was sh- sheer, but it's it's funny because, like, I saw majority of all of the outfits of the people who attended the party, and there was a lot of tasteful outfits at that party. And I've seen um I've seen over the years plenty of outfits that involved 
share that were tasteful. And I've seen some that I feel as though were distasteful. But that's just my opinion. Those are just my thoughts. But focusing or centering in on the Sierra topic and all of the dialogue and all of the think pieces and group thinks and all that other stuff that's been going on. Now, I will say this first, that I'm not surprised and it it annoys me that people put so much energy into this celebrity shit. But, hey, how am I not surprised when it comes to our quote-unquote black community? I mean, that's, that's just what it is. So... Sierra was basically butt naked. You can see her ass. You can see her ass. It was to the point where I I was trying to figure out whether she had pasties on or not on her nipples. Um, but half butt naked. I even tweeted about it. Um, I did a split screen of um, and I'm sure other people have seen it because it was almost like other people had the same ideas I had. Not saying that I was the first or people stole from me, but I. I did a split screen of the picture of her and Russell Wilson at church, Russell Wilson on his knees, and they was praying and stuff like that. And I did it side by side with the uh, picture of Sierra at the event in her sheer outfit. People sitting there talking about something. It was a dress. It was a dress. That ain't no damn dress. That was just some fab, some see-through fabric. That ain't no dress. That ain't no outfit. <laughs> that was just some see-through shit. It was a see-through throwover. (laughs) Oh, man. So, people was all talking about some, you know what I'm saying? All the white women was at the party. I don't care about the white women. I don't care. I'm not white. I don't care about the white women. I'm focused on Sierra because that's where the attention was brought. That's where all the controversy was brought. That's where all the people that... I, you know what I'm saying, that I have a, some sort of connection to or relationship with was talking about. And I ain't talking about no tight relationship or no tight connection. I'm talking about just social media purposes, what I've seen all day on social media, Sierra. But like I said, I did my due diligence of seeing what all of this was about and i saw all the other outfits and stuff like that so i saw some tasteful outfits like even uh holly Berry's outfit was tasteful for this particular theme event um tessa thompson janelle monet i thought was tasteful and this was just for this event you know but what my what my initial um thoughts were was the fact that you know her and russell wilson try to portray this this um image of being whole and christian and stuff like that and i'm speaking from a person who came up in the church i got multiple pastors preachers ministers in my family brother grandfather great-grandfather Mother side, father side, all that good stuff. You know what I'm saying? So I came up in the church. My mentor is a pastor. So I'm all, you know, I I got the credentials or the the experience of being in a Christian setting (laughs) as a young man. 
um, growing up in the church and all that other stuff. But I just think that you can, and I've said this plenty of times, people can do whatever the hell they want to do. I'm not, I'm, I will never argue with that. People can live their life whatever way they want to live. I'd rather you live your life the way that you want to live as opposed to being a follower. But when you portray an image, when you push an image out there, um, you will get backlash when you do things like this. And I'm not saying it's warranted or anything like that, but you should expect it. Russell Wilson has been even taking Sierra out the equation. Like most recently, Russell Wilson has been getting a lot of backlash from his teammates, from the sports media and stuff, from how the way he conducts himself. Particularly the image that he portrays and displays out there or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Him being all Christian and all that other stuff. But he's very aloof. He's very distant from his teammates. He acts as if he's above them and stuff like that. So he always he's already getting backlash from his, his side. And now you have this situation right here. And it's funny because I just brought up Sierra like a couple of episodes ago when she was making that song um, for single women, independent women or whatever, but she's a whole married woman. So it's like you're doing a lot of stuff that contradicts the way that you're living your life. So it shouldn't be any confusion about why you're getting backlash or anything like that. A lot of people's arguments that I've seen on social media and stuff like that was that all these people worrying about that marriage, and I ain't even in that marriage and all that other stuff. Y'all don't know what they thinking. Y'all don't know what's going on and all that other stuff. But then you have those same people saying those things, mirroring something similar of giving their opinions and their thoughts and stuff, saying, He's a secure man or, you know, she's a grown woman. They're celebrities and all that stuff. So how are you on your end saying that the people who have a different opinion or thought than you do don't know what's going on in their marriage? But you, on your end, know what's going on in their marriage and know that Russell Wilson didn't have a problem with it and he's secure and they're celebrities and it doesn't they're in a different lane and all that other stuff see so this is what i'm talking about with this mirror outrage we all do the same things we all have the same thoughts it just depends on when we choose to speak on it or when an incident pops up or when we're triggered to have these similar thoughts you'll have these opposing views But they're pretty much mirroring each other. Me watching the video, outside of just looking at the pictures of Sierra and Russell Wilson on the red carpet of this this themed event, Russell Wilson did look very uncomfortable. I've been around long enough to know that there are certain men that do love to have a woman that gets a lot of attention. 
that feeds them. And I do know that there are men who don't rock with that, that it makes them uncomfortable. So there's a security on both sides as well as an insecurity on both sides in these type of situations when it comes to being in a relationship with a woman that gets a lot of attention. But it's just about what that actual man is willing to be honest about. Because <laughs> I've also seen men who have gone after women who were doing wearing a lot of the um, revealing outfits, who commanded a lot of attention because of those outfits, who was twerking, showing her ass and titties and stuff like that. And when they actually was able to get in the relationship with that woman, then they tried to change the woman. All of this stuff is appealing on the outside, but most, well, I won't say most men. There's a side, there's one side of men who want a woman who has the essence of sex appeal as opposed to the aesthetics of sex appeal. And there's a side of men who wants the aesthetics as opposed to the essence. But from my experience, I've always seen it as though the men who are more focused on the women for the aesthetics, they just want to hit. And when I say hit, I mean sleep with, have sex with. They're not really concerned about having a relationship with them. But for the ones who actually want to have a relationship with them, they usually can't handle the type of attention that that woman gets. And they'll do anything that they can to keep that woman, whether it's with their money, the cars, clothes, materialistic things. Or they'll try to change them. And they'll have a problem down the line and it will cause a rift in their relationships. So it's always a, like I, I've said this plenty of times before on this podcast and on the Unproductive and Unapologetic podcast. Shout out to the UNU Network, all the podcasts on the net, on that network. Uh, three stars, two bars, unprocessed knowledge, separate the two, and reservation for three. Check all the podcasts out. But this whole narrative or cliche of if a man isn't pursuing you or putting in that that effort or that work to be with you or whatever then he's not serious but like i always say a man will put all the effort time work whatever into getting the woman just so he can hit it's to conquer you got to look at it from an animalistic standpoint. A man is a lion. The predator. The woman is the gazelle, the prey. 
it is not it's a natural instinct for that lion to go after that gazelle it's natural so it's going to be natural for a man to go after a woman regardless of what his intentions are and sometimes taking out the animalistic portion of it and putting in the human portion of it there's a lot of men who are interested in women but won't pursue them in the way that social media or society tells us because of they may have insecurities or because society has programmed men to be more focused on finding their purpose or getting their business and their foundation straight first before they pursue a woman. So it's always context to these situations. But people, men and women, are so caught up into their egos and what society tells them, what social media is telling them these days, that they don't, and before I even say that, the urgency, the urgency of life, the urgency of life will push them to think that things have to be black and white. There's no gray. There's no gray area. There's no context. So getting back to um, Sierra and Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson has to deal with the fact in his mind, which I don't know, which none of us know. None of us know the truth of what goes on in their marriage. But this is me putting out a theory, a scenario. Just me be, being a man. Russell Wilson has to deal with the fact that all 70, 80-something of his teammates, not to mention all of the other colleagues that he has in the NFL knows what his wife's full body looks like minus her areola and her nipples and her vagina okay her vagina they know what her ass cheeks look like her booty cheeks they know what her thighs look like they know what the line going down the back of her neck to her booty looks like and that's something that men very much pay attention to the line that goes down (laughs) the back of a woman's body to her booty (laughs) and i'm sure you can understand why in sexual terms so there's no mystery there no mystery and what's interesting is the day that the the day and age we live in is that because you can do it, you should do it. And that's not what I'm used to. And I'm not saying everybody should agree with my morals, my thoughts, my values, but people gotta understand that there's nothing new out here. A lot of things repeat themselves. So even me coming up, 
Just because you can do something doesn't mean you should do something. And I think the times we live in now are so liberal, so out of control, so confusing that people think that just because you can do something, you should do it. And this ain't it. This ain't it. So he has to walk in that locker room already being ostracized and people not really feeling him, valuing him or feeling as though that he's authentic, an authentic person. And all these dudes know what his woman looks like. And I'm sure it's people probably listening right now saying who cares and all this other stuff. He has to be secure and all that other stuff. But. What happens when one of those teammates that don't really rock with Russell Wilson disrespects Russell Wilson and mentions his wife, his wife's body? That disrespect started from the disrespect that his wife displayed to him by wearing that outfit in the public for whatever reason that she chose to. Yes, I know it was a theme party, but like I said, just because you can do it doesn't mean you should do it. It was distasteful. That's my thoughts. That's my opinion. It's my taste. <laughs> it's just my taste. I look at it as though and. I know other men that look at it the same way as me that if you have to do something like this or wear outfits like this, then do you value your husband's opinion? Do you value your husband's attention or your man's opinion, your partner's, whatever? You want to call it opinion? Or are you seeking something further? Um, I don't know if it was on my podcast or on Unproductive Podcast, but we talked, I think it was on Unproductive. We talked about when Steph Curry's wife came out and said that she doesn't like it, that she doesn't get attention anymore. She's in a whole marriage with a superstar and we just talking from external reasons a multi-millionaire superstar Steph Curry couldn't walk down the street without somebody recognizing him in any country but she openly did an interview saying that she doesn't like how she doesn't get enough attention from other men this is literally what she said So it is this element out here where people don't want to recognize or admit that they want or seek validation from others. And there could be something, I ain't going to say there could be, there is something lying in the shadows on why a person can feel that way, man or woman. A lot of us are out here soothing ourselves or 
comforting ourselves with some sort of substance, whether it be alcohol, food, drugs, social media, attention, whatever. We all have things that we're trying to soothe or comfort ourselves from. Burp, four, five, six, seven, whatever. (laughs) But we got to start being honest with ourselves and stop trying to project or or live our lives through celebrities and stuff like that. After all of the talk and commentary and back and forth about the Sierra situation, she posted a video a couple of days ago basically with like a sheet over her and she put selective outrage and that's fine yeah this definitely is an element of selective outrage there but it also is an element of selective accountability as well i don't find it a coincidence that sierra in the past two three weeks has been in the media getting some sort of backlash first it was the song second it was her posting about braiding her hair and then when she got backlash about that she was doing like um two little pigtails or something and then she got backlash on that about those were two pigtails. There wasn't no straight backs. So then she posted a video of her doing cornrows on her own head. So it seems like there's an element here of her trying to seek attention or validating herself through other people. And now you have the dress situation. And now this post about her being in the sheet. And talking about selective outrage. So, yeah, there's an element of selective outrage. But there also has to be an element of selective accountability. There's also some mirror outrage and mirror accountability. Like, you can't one minute post these things and then you getting backlash and praise. Because there were people praising her outfit, living through her, projecting upon the fact that she's wearing this outfit and stuff but then not acknowledging that as well so you see there's also selective outrage on her point on her part but i digress i got a couple of clips and let me just point this out because i talked about this as well with the tia maori situation and and i when i was looking at the sierra russell wilson situation and Recently, a clip of uh, Tia Maori resurfaced about her wearing lingerie in front of her kids and asking them what they thought about it and filming this and posting it. And it made me sit there and think like, okay, you know, you had all this controversy around her and um, Corey Hardwick, her husband, filing for divorce. And people all having the speculation or whatever. And there's different sides to the speculation. Mirror outrage. 
And it had me thinking that, okay, this is a perfect example right here on two different sides of a relationship. You'll have a situation where it's, it's clear in my point of view that Tia Maori needs validation. She needs the attention and stuff like that. She's been in Hollywood and on TV. She's been a, a star ever since she was a kid. So now she's getting a divorce from her husband. And she's doing all these things that will garner attention. And I look at it as though that, okay, Corey Harwick was the opposite of Russell Wilson. He said, I'm not just going to be validating you 24-7 when it's clear that it's an issue and maybe you need to work on something yourself in order to validate yourself. Because I can't be your servant of validation 24-7. And then you have the other side where Russell Wilson would do anything to keep this image up. It feeds him to have a woman that garners this attention. And he would just let it go despite any reservations or any thing that goes against his morals or his values. But uh, let me move on to the clips. <laughs> and this speaks to all this stuff that I've already been talking about. You know what I don't understand? Unpopular opinion. How could a man say he loves his wife and yet allow her to leave the house dressed like a hooker? Cleavage all the way out. Backside all the way out. Clothes so tight wondering how you can even breathe in them. Like how could you love your wife and have her out here looking like that? How are you comfortable having other men look at your wife's secret parts openly and not feel some type of way? Yes, you might not go out and sleep with them, but that's for your eyes to see, not the whole world. And y'all women that go out there dressing like that, you disrespecting your husband. You allowing James, Brandon, and Harry to see all of you when only your husband should be seeing those things. Like, what happened to remaining a mystery? Brothers have nothing to leave for the imagination because y'all just give it all out. Your wife is supposed to be a treasure. Woman, you are supposed to be a treasure. What do you do with treasure? You cover that thing up. You don't want everybody to see it. You cover that thing up. Sisters, you're more precious and valuable than gold. Cover yourselves up and respect yourself. The day and age we live in right now, there's a price on women's body. A lot of things in our society today, particularly in the black community, is overly sexualized. And I'd be lying to say, I'd be lying if I didn't say that I don't look at it or I haven't seen it or what I've seen and note, I will note this, that I don't seek it, <laughs> but you can't hide from it. But the stuff is physically attracting. And as a man and me being a man and one of the things that is our first focus first thing that we see the first thing that we focus on is the physical i'd be lying and say that there wasn't a turn on to some degree certain aspects of it i'd be lying if i didn't say that 
but there's a time and place for everything. And you'll have all these arguments about women talking about somewhere she was with her man and all this other stuff. And then you'll have these dudes where as long as I'm with my woman, she can wear whatever she want. Da 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 da. Acting all tough and stuff like that. But next clip. He don't want his woman doing certain things or dressing certain ways. And every time we go out and dressing really overly sexy, we're putting our man's life in danger. Mm. Because if somebody say to us out of order, say something to us out of order or wrong, then his manhood say he got to step up and defend us over nothing, over some foolishness. And if you got a man... His manhood, his ego, his pride, what the streets say, what society says, what the black community says, you got to fight. You got to fight when you go out because... I've I've seen it. I've experienced it where dudes, it's dudes out here that don't care. They ain't got no cut cards. They ain't holding back. They don't care if you walking down the street holding hands. They'll comment on your lady or whatever. They'll do it. Disrespect. Disrespect breeds disrespect. Respect breeds respect. Love breeds love. Hate breeds love. I mean, do you see what I'm saying? It's the energy surrounding all of this. And I'm not saying that a woman can't dress sexy and all this other stuff, but it is a time and place. And it is also a mindset of thinking that being butt naked is sexy as opposed to dressing a little modest like when i think of sexy i don't think of aesthetics i think of essence i think of vibe i think of confidence not outfits because i've seen and i'm sure you have seen as well and don't try to act like you haven't plenty of trashy looking women walking around in outfits that was too revealing and stuff. And it didn't breed sexy, it breed trashy. And just because somebody showing their ass and titties and a dude look don't mean that it's sexy. They don't mean that they want you. That just mean they look they want to look at some ass and titties. You satisfied and happy with them, then why are you going out trying to entice new men? <clears throat> And Make- the more clothes, the more clothes a woman take off, the more desperate she is. That don't mean she bold and brave and want to give with somebody. That means she's desperate. And that's a cry. Please give me some attention. Yes. And it's not something that is talked about enough of how us as humans, we try to feed these, these holes that we have emotionally, mentally, and stuff like that with these substances alcohol drugs attention validation all that of likes all of that like men do it too men do it too men usually stick towards alcohol and drugs women usually steer towards things that 
comfort and fill up their emotions. And with the alcohol and drugs for men, that's mentally. See what I'm saying? Men usually operate from the mental. First, the logic, the facts. So their substances usually are things that affect their mental. Drugs, alcohol, women with the emotions, what they do. They go after things that affect their emotions, likes, attention, validation, affection, stuff like that. Please look at me. Say something. Do something. That's what that is. And that's the condition of many of us. That's not anything that's an insult. We're talking reality. We have got to deal with the reality of our lives so that we can make corrections. But making up all of this stuff. and People don't want to deal with their reality. They think that healing is hard. But you staying in a negative mindset is, is hard. You... um. Doing negative things is hard. You having bad habits is hard. Everything on both ends is hard. You got to put in work on all ends. But it's that people most focus on comfort, what they're used to and stuff like that. So that's what they're going to ride with. That's what they're going to ride with. Moving along to the Blackity Black Woke segment. I might not do every topic through this because I want to get to the last portion of this episode, the meat, the meat and potatoes of this episode. But I'm at least talk about this. Um, a bill to make four day work weeks the national standard gets reintroduced in the U.S. House. Do I think this stuff, this is going to happen? I don't. Not on the U.S. side. It's already been going on over in the other countries. Um, but more. More other countries you know what I'm saying? It makes sense that it's happening because they don't have a lot of greed and stuff going on over there. And they 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 take care of their, their citizens because they a lot of those other countries believe that, you know what I'm saying, if you take care of your citizens, then it benefits the whole the whole of the country. And I'm not talking about all of them. I'm just talking about some of them. Um but do I think it's gonna happen over here? No, I don't. And if it does, I think there are gonna be a lot of stipulations to it. One, if they do a four-day work week, I feel like there's going to be 10-hour days. So you're still going to be working 40 hours, and you're still going to be working to the bone, tired, stress, and all that. So because there's no way that over here in greed country, greed town, in the United States of America, that they're going to let people work 32 hours and make the same pay that they was making with the 40 hours. That's not going to happen. They too, the corporations and stuff over here too fucking greedy. And if they do follow through with the four-day work week and they say everybody got to work 10-hour days, it's going to be a divide. Some people going to be cool with it because of some people already working it. And there's going to be some people that's not going to be cool with it. You know what I'm saying? And then you look at it like they, they saying that this is going to add more value, more time, and and stuff to people's lives over here how they're still if they keep it to the 40 hour work week people still gonna be tired as hell so with when they get that friday off let's say if it's just gonna be a, a work week of monday through thursday and they get that friday off they ain't gonna be able to do nothing else on that friday because that friday gonna be trying to chill 
And then Saturday, they're going to stick to what they've always been used to. Their mind is going to keep them stuck in the place of, well, Saturdays, I usually go, you know what I'm saying, hang out with friends or do something, you know what I'm saying, something leisure, some sort of leisure activity or whatever. And then when Sunday comes, you're getting ready for the whole work week all over again. So do I believe it's going to happen? Uh, no, I don't. And if it does, I still feel like it's going to be a problem regardless. It's going to be a problem regardless because are people really ready for a 10-hour workday? I remember working 12-hour workdays at one time when I was saving up for my house. And the shit was, it was, not, <laughs> it was not fun, not fun at all. But I was younger then, so I was able to get through it. So think about the people who are in their 40s, 50s, 60s that's still working, that can't retire because they're not making enough money already. So they working these dog hours on four-day work weeks. And then most of them probably will pick up an extra shift if they working in retail or hospitality or food and stuff like that, you know what I'm saying, on those Fridays or however – whatever that fifth day is, if they work in five days a week. So it's not going to be just as simple as people think it is. Study thousands of people who swapped a standard five-day work week for a four-day one shows that the extra day off could provide mental and physical benefits for employees without hurting the revenue and productivity of a business. Fox's Ted Linder has more. Imagine this. You come home after a long day of work, and before you can relax, you're faced with a mountain of household chores and family obligations you need to finish first. Many, if not most of us, have been here before, where it seems like there's not enough time in the day outside of work to enjoy life without neglecting our responsibilities at home. But results from a new six-month study out of the United Kingdom are showing how a four-day work week gives people more personal time to invest in their health and lives while promoting better outcomes for their corporations. The 61 companies with about 3,300 employees from multiple industries shifted their work from the traditional Monday to Friday work week to a four-day work week. Companies' revenue didn't change much during this, the, the, the trial period, and there was no loss of productivity. For employees, there were lower levels of anxiety, fatigue, and sleep deprivation. Researchers also found employees on a four-day work week were able to exercise more, providing additional health benefits. The study also saw a decrease in the number of people calling out sick. Employees are less likely to be burned out. They're less likely to resent their organizations. For critics who say a four-day work week won't become mainstream, business management professionals say, a competitive job market may require businesses to adapt the concept as a recruiting strategy to attract new candidates, as well as retain the staff they currently have. Ted Lindner, Fox News. So the study was done over in the UK. So it's different. It's, it's a difference over in the UK than it is over here. It just is. So those studies are always pretty. They always have as as i'm going to say holes in them because the study isn't whole a whole study it's a partial study but let me take a pause 
uh, past couple of episodes, I've been having to go to the bathroom. I've been pre-gaming a little bit too much. So let me take a pause, and I'm going to be back and finish the Blackity Black Woke segment. And I'm back. Um, yeah. So we'll see about the four-day war week. Like I said, it's been reintroduced, so you know how that goes. But um, let me see where I'm at. Blackity Black Woke segment. Um uh, so, the uh, San Francisco NAACP rejects a $5 million reparation payment to blacks, calls for reparations to focus on investments and opportunities in five key areas at Board of Supervisors meeting on reparations today. So, the five areas were invest in education, economic empowerment, housing, health care, and what's, what's this say? Um, feel more heritage center. The, I guess that's in some center in San Francisco. So um, this got a lot of um, backlash from a lot of people in the community um, who focus, who actually focus on that stuff. Um, and they were mad at the San Francisco NAACP um, for rejecting this or whatever. And I can kind of see both sides, and I lean more to the side of the people who are mad at the um, San Francisco NAACP because any any form of reparations will help. But it seems as though, and what a lot of the argument is on on the side that I'm leaning towards is that the NAACP in San Francisco is trying to gatekeep or be the middleman of this process and in order for them to receive something with with this transaction of the reparations. And I haven't really gone deep into it yet, but I wanted to point I wanted to bring it to everybody's attention. But um Dr. Amos Brown he clarified the um, San Francisco NAACP press release. And he said he's not one, he's not against direct cash reparations, but wants that and more, And which I agree with. It shouldn't just be cash payments. It should be a lot more. You know what I'm saying? We deserve a lot more than just cash payments. There has to be breakdowns and systems or new systems built up put it or put in place for our community but this is also what he said too he said he doesn't want to set black americans up for failure and says we need realistic proposals five million dollars is an unrealistic number and the only portion i agree with is that that five million dollars is an unrealistic number you can't really quantify a, or put a number on the amount of reparations that black Americans should have in each state as well as the country as a whole. Like I feel as though the reparations we deserve just based off of cash payments would bankrupt the country. And you, we already see how easy it is for the, the United States government to give money 
out to everybody else, other countries, other countries that don't have nothing to do with the direct growth of this country. They just giving it out. Ukraine. Um, they just gave out some money to uh damn, what was the country? I think it's uh Ethiopia. They gave out some money to Ethiopia. Um, they giving out money to um what's the other country that they recently gave money? We giving money out willy nilly all the time to other countries building them up or whatever, but it's all based on their interests. Not even government interests, is whatever politicians is in, in place, whatever president is in place. And what a business, whatever corporation he's affiliated with, interest that they have. There's always money laundering schemes going on or something. You know what I'm saying? But it's never really about the actual citizens. And us as a black community, we always get caught up into the lesser of two evils. And we shouldn't be given neither candidate no matter what office they're running for we shouldn't be giving them our attention unless we get tangible 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 results but i digress and i will move on from that and i'm going to move on to this this story that has been getting a lot of attention lately on twitter that i've been coming across a lot and it says Rasheem Carter had called his mom and warned her on several occasions about having issues. He was having trouble with his boss. He was afraid he was going to have him killed. On October 2nd, 25-year-old Rasheem Carter called his mother again, saying he was abused, chased by three white men, and the police wouldn't help. That was the last time he was heard from. On November 2nd, Police found remains belonging to him, but claimed, quote, there was no reason to suspect foul play, end quote, which is amazing considering what we now know about the condition of his remains. And I have a clip of this. But Mississippi police once again said there was no foul play, even though his body was found dismembered. So let me pull up this clip from the news report. All right, let me see where is that. Here we go. Civil rights attorney Ben Crump was in Jackson today calling for answers in the mysterious death of a young Fayette man whose remains were found a month after he went missing. 12 News, Leah Williams heard from attorneys who are they didn't calling say his the body. US they Department said of remains Justice to step in. Leah? But they said it was no foul play. Melanie, the state medical examiner's office was not able to determine a cause of death for 25-year-old Rasheem Carter. His family believes there was foul play, so their attorney sent a letter to the Department of Justice asking them to get involved. We want to warn you that some of the video is graphic and could be disturbing to some viewers. 25-year-old Rasheem Carter of Fayette was contracted to work in Smith County last year. Carter went missing in October after texting his mother that his life was in danger. He said, me and the owner of this company not saying eye to eye, mama. His name, I, which I can't say at this time, but if anything happened to me, 
He's responsible for it. I'm too smart, mama. He got these guys wanting to kill me. And that's what he sent to me. Attorneys say there was an attempt to use Carter's credit card in Taylorsville while he was missing. A month after his disappearance, some of his remains were found in Smith County. His head was severed from his body. His vertebrae, his spinal cord was in another spot they discovered away from his severed head. They have recently found remains that they believe are also Racine Carter. The Mississippi State Medical Examiner's Office was not able to determine a cause of death because some of Carter's remains were in an advanced state of decomposition. Attorney Carlos Moore called it one of the most disturbing cases of his lifetime. I've been a Mississippian for all 46 years of my life and I've never heard of a crime this horrific in my life. I was not living during the time of Emmett Till. I heard about that and read about it in the history books, but I thought we had progressed in Mississippi. The Smith County Sheriff's Office is leading the investigation, and the Mississippi Bureau of Investigation is assisting. But his family says more needs to be done, so attorneys sent a letter asking the U.S. Department of Justice to get involved. We need the highest levels of law enforcement to administer justice for Rasheem Carter as if he was your child. The Smith County Sheriff says he's waiting for the findings from search warrants to come back. He also says he welcomes the involvement of the Department of Justice. I reached out to MBI as well, but the agency declined to comment on this investigation. Melanie, back to you. Terrible, terrible, sad story, but I mean, I hate to say it. Are we not surprised that stuff like this is still going on? And it happened in Mississippi. So we know that Mississippi is, shoot, being a black person living in Mississippi, going through Mississippi is dangerous. Um, but I came across this story so many times in the past uh, week or so that I had to share it. Um, I pray for that family, you know, um, yeah, it's thoughts and prayers. Thoughts and prayers to the family. It's 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 sad. But I'm gonna end the uh blacky black woke segment off of that. And we're about to get into the meat and potatoes of this um episode. And I've done episodes, um past episodes where I talked about this black woman therapist. And I can't remember what episodes it was, but I know I did like a series on it. Um trying to see if I can find the name of it. So if anybody wants to go back and listen to the episode, they can. Um, let me see. I'm trying to think what episode it was. When I was talking about that black woman therapist. Um, let me see. Let me see. I think this is it, right? Yes. All falls down. All falls down. 
I did two parts of this uh, this episode all falls down when I was talking about the black woman therapist and all the controversy around. She went viral, all the things that she was saying about black men and all that other stuff. She had recently went through a breakup with a black man and then she just started posting on TikTok about black men and she's a therapist talking about black men need therapy and was just saying that black men didn't have value and all this other stuff and this wasn't verbatim of what she was saying but this was just the gist of it and she got fired you know what i'm saying people uh went after her and contacted she didn't have her own practice she was working for um a practice and people went after her she got fired and stuff like that i don't know if she lost her license or anything like that but she popped that she popped back up on my radar back in February and uh, I noted I noted it that you know her resurface I noted the resurface of her <laughs> but I was I wasn't ready to talk about it yet um, but now it's time to talk about it and her particular situation and stuff like that, I, I don't, you know what I'm saying, a person that is in therapy, a person who has struggled with depression and, you know what I'm saying, deals with anxiety and stuff like that, I will never shit on somebody and, you know what I'm saying, be happy that somebody is going through something because they, you know what I'm saying, did this and did that. That's just not, that's, that's not me, you know. But all of this is relevant right now. So I'm going to go to the clips that I came across back in February of this particular black woman therapist that I discussed before on All Falls Down Part 1 and All Falls Down Part 2. You can go back and listen to those episodes, real good episodes. Got a lot of good feedback from that. So let me pull up. The clips that I came across back in February of her. So. I came across it on Twitter. This is early February. She said wanting to kill yourself as a symptom of depression is a effing joke. I talked about this more in depth on TikTok. I hope this provides a bit more clarity to people who are struggling with this like I am. I hate putting myself out here, especially on Twitter, but if it will save a life, it's worth the smoke. Be well, y'all. And I really do feel like y'all need to go back to those uh, two All Falls Now episodes to get some context into this particular black therapist. But this isn't the main black black woman therapist that this episode is about, but... It all comes together. So let me pull the clip up and and play everything that's been um, going on in her, in her life at this point. And this, once again, is not me to rag on her or anything like that because I sympathize with anybody who go is going through any 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 mental illness. So. Let me pull this up. Let me see. I keep it all the way up. Here we go. 
can I keep it all the way a buck with y'all for real? Is I haven't like I've been doing this shit this whole time. I want to like go into what it's really like having depression because I feel like there's an, people tell you it's just like not being able to get out of bed and shit like that, but it's so much more. Than that. There's like the aches and the pains and the ideation and sometimes the inability to cope with just like regular shit. So for the life of me, I've never understood why people fake or pretend to have depression because it's incredibly debilitating. It's incredibly debilitating. Like, I hate the fact that I wake up most days and I hate the fact that I wake up most days. And I know that that's like the depression talking. I know it's an illness of stuckness. I know you're supposed to get up and move. But when you just, like, don't feel like living, what's the fucking point of doing deep breathing? Like, I sit in the space and hold the space for my clients, which I can't even do now. So I'm too fucking burnt out. So, this is the clip I came across. So, it is uncomfortable to, very uncomfortable to listen to. I I bring this up to point out the fact that these therapists, social workers, uh, doctors, psychiatrists, psychologists, all the labels or whatever, they're humans just like us. They go through things just like us or whatever. And it's interesting, though, at the same time that they're in these positions and previously she was using her position to berate and devalue black men and stuff like that. And once again, this is not me trying to rag on her or anything like that. It's just to point these things out because what I found the most disturbing part about being on social media outside of people worshiping and being real caught up into celebrities, they're real caught up into influencers. And because I focus a lot of, you know, my content on mental health and stuff like that, I follow a lot of mental health professionals and people who are in the mental health space who are like me, who are not mental health professionals, but are mental health advocates that they get worshipped a lot uh, by a lot of people on social media. And a lot of people on social media take a lot of things that they say as Bible. And they don't see it as though that these people are humans just like us. They go through things just like us. That a lot of these therapists project. A lot of these therapists have gone through trauma. A lot of these therapists are just educated on tools to help with mental health that they aren't saviors for your mental health. When you have gaps of time where that you like don't remember, um, we could just stick with the ideation. I think that is the worst of it. 
That is the worst of it. It doesn't matter how you feel about yourself. It doesn't matter how much you love yourself. It doesn't matter any of that. When that depression wants to fucking kick in, it you don't want to live anymore. And so people, because you can't see it, people don't believe you. They just think it's all in your head. That it's not real. And as a clinician and as a person, it's very real. It's very fucking real. There are millions of people who deal with depression. I don't fucking know how, bro. Uh, I'm not going to finish the clip. This is very uncomfortable. I do sympathize with her. I do empathize with her. But I think a lot of times um, people who go to therapy, who have therapists, they go see a psychologist, psychiatrist, social worker, whatever title that they have, that they don't realize that therapy isn't about being saved by the therapist. That when you go to therapy, therapy is about you ultimately, I I hate saying this, but you saving yourself. You are the one that is ultimately responsible for you doing the work to heal from the trauma you have experienced you know and um a lot of people just get too caught up in following these therapists that post content on social media which is usually short form content content a minute minute and a half maybe two minutes and they will think that that little small portion of content is something that they can apply to their life and it will ultimately save them or heal them. And although those short forms of content can be helpful and are tools to use, that isn't doing the work. One thing that I've learned going to therapy for over 10 years now is that I am responsible for my healing. I am responsible for doing the work. I can't put that responsibility on the therapist like I was so used to putting that responsibility on my mother, my father, my lady, my brother, my friends, my boys. I can't do that. I'm ultimately responsible for healing, making changes, evolving, etc., etc. I am responsible for manifesting, making, whatever word you want to use, the life that I want. The life that I feel that I deserve. But you got to do the work. But I just wanted to use that as an example of something that I, you know, something that resurfaced. But recently, I came across it on multiple um, social media platforms. Was a new black woman therapist and is 
let me start by saying this. There has been a thing now, you know, I've talked about plenty of times the black man versus black woman divide or narrative or discussion or conversation, argument or whatever. But there's also now this argument, discussion, debate, fight, et cetera, et cetera, about black men versus black women therapists. So recently, another black woman therapist went viral for some things that she said. So first I'm going to start with what she said. She first tweeted and said this. I will not give her name out because according to her, she has received death threats and threats of harm. Um, whether that's true or not, I don't know. And I'm not going to debate it. This is this is coming from her. This is what she said. So I will not give her name out or her, her social media handle and stuff out. But this is what she said. She said, this is what she tweeted. And they got 5.5 million views. I'm no longer accepting male clients. They get in my email inbox and want me to prove why they should choose me as a therapist. No scheduled consultations or nothing to see if we are a good fit. I am not the one or the two to prove my worth to anyone. We will not work well together because you already trying me. And I'm not above going off on nobody. If you try me before the therapeutic relationship starts, I know you out here being a menace to folks. And that's going to activate my nervous system. So nah, it's a wrap. It's the folks tone policing me. I tweet like I talk. That's very key. I didn't I didn't pick up on that at first when I first came across this, but that's very key. I tweet like I talk. I talk this way in therapy with my clients. That's the whole point of being a black therapist. That's interesting. I didn't I didn't now that I'm actually sitting here reading it in silence, it's hitting me a little bit different. But let me finish. So black folks can be themselves. Ain't no code switching over here. That was the end of it. So I'm going to play a clip from her. Let me pull that up. Very interesting how you can interpret or receive something differently when you're in silence. (laughs) So I'm in total, complete silence down in the tasting room right now recording while I was reading that. So here's the clip. I say I don't want to work with males anymore in my private practice because they activate my nervous system and I don't feel safe. And their response is to threaten the un- Let me let me stop real quick and just point this out before I get. That's not what she said in the tweet. She referenced it and insinuated, but she didn't say that verbatim. And I think it's is important a lot of times when you distinguish from the things that you write and the things that you say that 
that verbatim portion is very significant. In that in those tweets, she didn't say nothing about being safe. And I'm not here to to debate or discount her. I'm gonna get into both sides of the argument because I, I look at it in a whole a lot of different ways because I feel like it's not just black and white, it's not just one sided with this. But let me get back to the the clip. Live me by threatening my livelihood, saying that there's groups of y'all that are reporting me to my licensing board because I don't wanna work with y'all. Y'all ain't want to work with me anyway. So what y'all talking about? Y'all are reporting me to my licensing board for saying I specialize in working with black women who overcome perfectionism. Did you know that therapists are allowed to have specializations? Did you know? One thing that I've noticed is from the tweet that tweet tweets that I read and from this clip, there's a lot of things that there's there's differences there's differences what she's explaining right now in this clip as opposed to the things that she tweeted that is kind of changing the narrative of what she's saying she said in those tweets that when we are in school our instructors ask us what is your target population who would you like to work with but i do agree with her that therapists do have specialties and for somebody who's been in, ther in therapy as long as I have and has had to look for other therapists in those span of 10 plus years, there are therapists that have specialties. And I won't argue with her on that. I, I agree with that. So I've seen it. They'll have that listed on however way you look them up. They'll have it listed. So there's, that's not a problem there. I agree with that, and I know I know and understand all of that. Focus on them. Did you know that? It's people leaving me reviews saying that I'm racist, saying that I shouldn't work with black men, saying that when they were my client, they felt this type of way, blah, blah, blah. These folks have never even seen me. I don't know these people. So y'all just sitting up here lying on me. Why would you do that? They're calling my business line saying they want to slice off my face. They want to unalive me. They want to essay me. Um, I should be. You really think I want to work with men now? No. Then on Twitter, y'all posting I, a, this you, a picture. And I agree with her. Like um, a lot of the reactions that she's gotten from what she tweeted and even this video or whatever is validating uh, what she's saying about her nervous system being activated. And that's something that I've talked about plenty of times before on this podcast that isn't pointed out enough when it comes to mental and emotional health, how our nervous system is just as important as our mental space. A lot of the trauma that we've gone through, we, we, we re-experience it we are triggered through our nervous system. That's why it's called the nervous system. Of my profile for therapy for black men. Yeah, that's me. But I'm no longer seeing males because of the things that I've said previously. And my profile is still up there because I paid my $20 for the month. See, that's where I 
uh, find a little contradiction. So if you don't want to work with males no more, so what? You paid your $20. Just take the profile down on that website that promotes therapy for black males. I'm waiting on them to stop my subscription. I just made this. How does that make sense? She says she's waiting for them to stop her subscription. But you said you don't want to work with black males. So why are you going to in turn keep your profile up there? for black men to find and to seek you out for you just to reject them that doesn't make sense how are you so focused on holding boundaries but you're so focused on also the money that you paid and getting your money's worth that doesn't make sense to me announcement last week y'all gonna give me some time where is the energy for the male therapists who only see men? Because I don't see y'all out here acting like this towards them. I encourage you. I implore you to and find I, a male therapist that's a good fit for you. And I agree with her. Find whatever therapist fits for you, whether male, female, black, white, whatever. I've gone on record plenty of times on my podcast about how my best experience in therapy was with a black woman some of my worst experiences were with black men those black men being older black men but yeah um i've had white therapists white male therapists i have had a white woman therapist my therapist now is a white woman <laughs> so you have to find whatever works for you but ultimately, it comes down to what I was saying before. When you're looking for somebody to save you, direct you, yeah, it, it's not going to work out. It's the same thing of trying to be in a relationship or a partnership and you're looking for your partner or the person you're in a relationship with to make you happy or to fulfill every one of your needs and they don't, then you have some sort of resentment or it's always something that you're pointing out or it's an argument about something. It's the same thing with a therapist because that's a relationship. You're going to have a relationship with your therapist. But ultimately, it comes down in these relationships, you holding yourself responsible, holding yourself accountable, and you doing what's best for you. Not about looking for somebody to save you somebody to direct you, somebody to point you in the right direction, somebody to make decisions for you. But that, that clip yeah. is over with. That, that, that was the clip. All right. So moving on from the clip. All right. Let me get my stuff back. What's interesting is initially when I came across the tweet or whatever, I didn't really see anything wrong with it. And I, I honestly still don't see nothing wrong with it on, on the basis of me knowing that therapists, people who are in the mental health, um, mental health professionals, they have specialties, right? It's therapists out here that don't want to work with kids. It's therapists out here that only focus on couples. It's therapists out here that only focus on people with anxiety. It's therapists out here that only focus on people with PTSD, et cetera, et cetera. That's not the problem. What I find interesting is, is that um, a lot of black men had a problem with her tweet 
but it it was a lot of it was a lot of people uh debating with black men saying well she didn't even say black men she said males but then you just heard her video right you heard her video where she was referencing black men so this is why i said her video contradicted her tweets or her tweets contradicted her video there was contradictions there and what was very interesting when i started to do a little bit more research on her and i started seeing more people do research on her well i ain't do that much as supposed to a lot of it was a lot of people that was going in like she said a lot of people was doing that this you sweets and stuff like that they was calling her out to the point where she had to make this video like she didn't even this video came days later like her ten toes was down on them tweets but when people started digging deeper then she had to make that video and what i found was interesting and that's why i said is it's important if you want further context you know if you don't trust me if you don't believe what i'm saying to you go back to those all falls down episodes part one and part two she had a she agreed with a lot of the things that that other black woman therapists had to say about specifically black men and how they were predators that they had issues that they the ones that needed therapy that they were evil and stuff like that and here's the receipts when that first black therapist came out was making those tiktok videos and they started going viral back in august of 2022 she quote tweeted and said she made great points, but I think her delivery may have been hurtful to some people. Mirror outrage. Mirror outrage. Excuse me. So, if you think she made great points, but then in turn you said that her delivery may have hurt some people, why can't you see that your delivery may have hurt some people? And I'm not warranting and don't nobody try to put that shit on me about me being on the side of her getting death threats and all that other stuff. That ain't that ain't I ain't, I don't go that deep that my reactions go to death threats and all that other stuff. But I do understand on social media that's what people be doing. They do that. But she agreed with a lot of the things that that first black woman therapist said when she was going viral. When it comes to therapists and just a lot of things that I've learned, like I said, I'm not a licensed professional, so they have a code of ethics, just like any other person who's in the medical field. They have a code of ethics that they have to follow. So, and those code of ethics are different in each and every state that you have your license in so you know that's that's all based on the board and what they what they go through and find if they do do an investigation based off of reports that they receive but it is sort of a, a level of professionalism that you have to have when you in these positions 
And like I've always said, like, we have to be careful with these people who are in these positions, who have these titles, who have these degrees and stuff, that they may not have our best interests at heart. This just may just be a job for them, just like any other person who has a job that really doesn't want to be there, but it looks good on paper or it looks good for the family or something that they had to do based off of the pressures of society or from their family or whatever validation they want to receive from the outside world. And then you have to also look at a lot of these these therapists and I see it a lot because like I said, I follow a lot of therapists and a lot of them, you know, are focused on putting content out there. Short form content, long form content, whether it be short clips, podcasts, or they have speaking engagements or anything like that, right? So we have to look at it as though just because they are a professional in this field, that they aren't human and they they don't want to be popular, that they don't want to have validation, that they don't want to have attention, that they don't feed off of likes and, you know, um, praise and stuff like that. So we got to kind of like pay attention to these things and and really pay attention to the people that we're following and stuff like that and to see if they're really authentic and if they're genuine. And there are ways that you can tell. I'm not going to go into all of that because I just want to get through this particular topic. But there are ways you can tell whether a person is authentic and they're, they're genuine in their message or not. Like, she really didn't have to get on Twitter and say that she wasn't working with males no more. Like, if if that's how you feel, if it's really about you know, you don't feel safe and it triggers your nervous system and stuff like that, which you would know because you're in that profession or whatever. So then just change your specialties. Take yourself off the black male therapist site, um, black male therapy site. Change your specialties on your website and on your psychology today's uh, profile and whatever other mental health sites are out here that you have your profiles on change your specialties why does it need to be announced on twitter it's like you're trying to grab um people who identify or feel the same way that you feel or will resonate with the things that you're speaking But, I mean, we really have to understand that both things, both things, both sides, both people's perspectives, both general communities point of view are true it can be true like i think that's that's the 
that's the main part in this argument between or this divide between black men and black women and black men versus black women therapists, vice versa, the divide in the community or whatever, that all things can be true. And we can still make progress, but it's not that way. We are always sitting here fighting and debating on what's true and what's not true or who's hurt more than who or who has more power than who, et cetera, et cetera. Like it's exhausting. It's not getting us nowhere. It's keeping us in a circle. It's keeping us in a cycle. And it's, it's, it's discouraging to see when therapists get wrapped up into these conversations because it's like, okay, I understand you're human, but you also have greater tools to break cycles. That's that's your main goal to break to help people break cycles or bad habits or bad cycles, whatever you want to call it, negative thoughts, negative habits, tr- negative trauma, whatever. But then you're participating in the same conversations and narratives in that negative way but like i say it's just a lot of folks out here projecting it's a lot of folks out here projecting mirror outrage they're projecting based off of the things that they see the things that they've gone through the things that they feel, the things that they trigger from, the things that um, activate their nervous system, as she says. So one of the things that I kept saying to myself is, okay, so it's obvious you have a problem with men, whether it be black men or men as whole. But I'm going to assume and hold on to the fact that it is black men because – for one, she is a lesbian, and I've talked about how there are people in the LGBTQ community and also part of the black community that have a problem with black men for whatever reason. I'm not saying that to be to devalue your feelings or what you've gone through. I'm just saying there's a pattern. But I will get to the specific portion of me bringing that up when it comes to her because she she made a point to to put a spotlight on that. But like I said, we all do projecting. We are all mirrors of each other. No matter how strong that relationship is or how high of a degree the relationship is whether you're just passing somebody on the street and they bump you or they cut you off or something that's a relationship right there you're relating to them in that moment so how are you going to react in that moment to those to whatever happened to you to whatever you feel as though that person has done to you you know
But yeah, it's it's also discouraging just thinking about the fact that you see a lot of people talking about, you know, black men need therapy, black men go to therapy and all that other stuff. But then you have situations like this where black men get devalued for having an opinion or a feeling about somebody, whether they just a random person or they're a, a therapist in the mental health field and they're saying something against black men why they're in therapy. Like if you're a, a therapist, you already know the people that are coming to you have some sort of trauma. They've gone through things or whatever. And it should be applauded that that person, especially if it's not couples therapy and they came on their own individually. If a black man came to therapy on his own, he's taking a step to heal to get better but if you still in turn looking at it as though when he comes to you and you don't agree with how he's conducting himself and it's all speculation on how this person is conducting himself if you're not giving concrete de- concrete details That you have a bias. You have a bias against that black man already. That you have guards up. You saying that your nervous system is being activated and stuff like that. So that probably means you need more work on yourself as well to heal whatever issues that you've gone through when it comes to black men when you only when you're referencing it as men activating your nervous system. But what does that mean, activating your nervous system? Because your nervous system can be activated even in positive ways. Not just negative ways. Like you can be in a fight or flight mode in a positive situation. Like if you're playing sports or something like that, it's going to activate your nervous system. You're going to have some jitters. If you're having... Um, you're speaking for the first time or you're presenting something or, you know, you're about to get married and you're feeling nervous. That's activating your nervous system. So how is your nervous system being activated? See, it's a lot of when she was tweeting and speaking, it's a lot of general statements that she was putting out there and she wasn't really being specific about it. So are you is this stuff really happening or are you just looking to get attention or you just looking to talk shit in that moment this was another tweet that she commented on and I've talked about this before this is a word that i just most recently learned last year uh misandry misandry m-i-s-a-n-d-r-y misandry and this is a tweet that she commented on she says i want y'all to do desperately i want y'all to do i'm reading the tweet as it says so don't blame me if it doesn't make sense totally 
She says, I want y'all to do desperately see that misandry is not real. Reverse sexism does, doesn't exist. Women specifically of the same race as you do, as you do not have the systemic or social power to discriminate against men in a way that's taking away their privilege in society. So this particular therapist that I played the clip on and had the tweet and all that other stuff, she responded to this tweet and said, thank you with an exclamation point. So she already sees it as if you're a black woman, that you have no power over a black man, that you can't in any form or fashion discriminate, devalue, gaslight a black man in any way. But let me go and read the definition of misandry real quick. Misandry, dislike of contempt for or ingrained prejudice against men. So she doesn't believe that a woman of any race can have a dislike, a contempt for or ingrained prejudice against a man. This is what she believes. That's what she believes. All right. But like I brought up already, her sexuality. And like I've I've said, I've mentioned this plenty of times before on the podcast, and it's not for me to be against the LGBTQ community, but there is a pattern with some LGBTQ people that are also black that have a problem with black men. So she identifies as being gay. This is a tweet that she she posted. It's so strange to me. Nobody can out oppress me. I am a single mom, black and a gay woman. So you see where her mentality is. She tweeted this. This was back in June of 2022. I'm going to read it again. It's so strange to me. Nobody can out-oppress me. I am a single mom, black, and a gay woman. So you see her mindset is only focused on one aspect of our community. She's following stereotypes. She's following narratives. She's following trends of the black community. We can have this argument all day about um, black men and black women, patriarchy and all this other stuff. I've talked about it plenty of times before. 
but that's what people some people are caught up on the uh who had it worse black men or black women we both had it worse but when has there ever been a period of when black men has had power over black women never if you want to be real about it because when it comes to oppression there has to be a system in place to have oppression what systems are in place that black men are in power of that oppress black women? None. We are all in the same boat. But we're sitting here jumping off the boat, arguing. It's my turn to be on the boat. No, it's not your turn. It's my turn. It's, so we just flopping back into the water, back into the water. We putting more water in the boat by hopping back and forth in the boat from the water talking about whose turn it is. Like I already said, she didn't even have to do all this tweeting this video and stuff like that. You could just put your special specialties on your website for your practice because she has her own practice and whatever um, other websites you have your profile on. But instead, you wanted to do all this stuff, get attention and all this other stuff. And she's still talking about it to this day. She's still talking about it to this day. This happened like earlier in the week. It's Saturday right now. She's still talking about it, boasting about how she's getting um, interviews, how she was referenced on articles and stuff like that. And it's just like she's, she's feeding off of this. She's really feeding off of this. But I'm going to end it right now because I'm about to hit two hours. And I'm going to pick this. I'm going to pick this back up next episode. So I guess it's going to be a part three. But yeah. <laughs> Mirror Outrage. Mirror Outrage. Follow me on Instagram, A Taste to Consider Network. Um, My main page is attached to the network page. Um, The Taste. THC dot taste underscore, I think. I think it's one underscore, maybe two underscores, but it's attached to all the posts. Every post that I, I post on a taste to consider network, my main page is collaborated with that. So like, share, follow, listen to me on Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Amazon um subscribe to the youtube shout out to all the viewers on youtube and stuff like that shout out to all the support all the authentic organic support um greatest i am blog.com my mental health blog uh taste to consider.com is the apparel on there right now if you're on youtube you see um i got the how's your mental health bro shirt on i got the green and black shirt on um, this one will be up on the website soon, but I have all the other ones on there as well as the third PN Hill shirts on, on that website and, um, the signature, a taste to consider, uh, shirts on there as well. So, you know, support however you feel, whatever, uh, make sure on the stream of services you download, listen, and then undownload it's just a click of the button on there. And even if you don't listen, download it anyway, you know, however you want to support. Um, yeah, socials, all that good stuff. Twitter, I'm on Twitter. Taste to Consider on Twitter. Um, I don't use Facebook, but yeah. But shout out to everybody. 
Um, I appreciate y'all. And I'll talk to y'all next week. Taste to Consider Podcast. I'm your host, Derek Silver. And I'm out. Damn, I ain't even uh, officially uh, introduced the show with the signature. So I, let me let me end it off with that. Let me end it off with that. I ain't even do it to start the show off. Wow. Oh, man. Safe to consider podcast and I'm out.